Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola. On the remote is staff writer Jason Cross. Hi, Jason. Hello. In studio with Gordon Maung of PC World. Hey. Gordon's the host of The Full Nerd. He's also an, a guru of anything Intel-related. If, if you have something uh, on your mind about processors... Uh, Gordon's got an opinion. He's got facts. He he knows it all. And if I don't, I'll just make it up because <laughs> that's that's the internet. He's even wearing MacWorld blue today. So he's is he part of our new staff? Is that it? Join join the team. Yeah, we're, sure, we're all sure. one big happy family here. I I was going to say something offensive, but this is your house. So <laughs> this is your house. He's just pinch hitting for we're like all weeks. Yeah. So. We're just all we're all one big happily AX86 family, folks. All one big. <laughs> Happy I like how you say that with your IDG mug carefully positioned right in front of your face. <laughs> yes. Very corporate of you. Yes. Yes. So, corporate team player, Gordon. Uh, Gordon. They give me, I get points for this. So, yes. And that disembodied voice you heard earlier is the most important man in the room, the man I call the most important man in the room, Dan Masuoka, our video producer. Because he can cut you no, off. Yeah, not disembodied. <laughs> I, I switched to myself. Oh, so did you see? see me? Yeah, I yeah. can't, didn't see that, so... Yeah. I should have a camera or so, a monitor for you guys. Okay. And the reason why, as Gordon may not know, I call him the most important man in the room is because he is monitoring our YouTube and Twitter feeds. We're live on those two venues. If you guys got any comments or questions about anything Apple-related, but uh, let us know. Dan's taking a look at those. He'll, he'll chime in and let us know what you guys are thinking. Today's topic is... Well, I was going to talk about Emoji Day and how Apple posted <laughs> emoji, somewhat creepy emojis. It was intentional creepy pack? Well, was it, was, the whole it, was, thing? it was creepy in that they put the emoji heads on top of the bodies. So there was a real neck. Oh. And, and Jason, I actually didn't notice that. I think Jason pointed it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is kind of Yeah, they did their <laughs> Memoji thing. Right. Their corporate bio page. And I have a horrible just... newsroom joke about this later, but it's not appropriate now, <laughs> especially in this environment. So. so headless is a headless joke, but so that's what I was planning to talk about this week—a whole show about Memojis. But oh. then something happened with the MacBook Pro. So today we're going to talk about the MacBook Pro, the saga of the MacBook 2018 MacBook Pro. Yeah. So what happened? Wait, so, wait, wait, wait. Do you think this is intentionally done to create? <laughs> Because there's no such thing as bad news. Right. Oh, you think this no, is this a is media? Bad news. You know, because you got to have a good crazy conspiracy theory thrown so, out there. Well, I guess I'll start from the beginning. So we kind of kind of sum up. This sort of, I guess, maybe, I don't know if it's a postmortem, but it's sort of a, here we are. This is where we've been. This is our journey with the MacBook Pro. So a few days after the MacBook Pro was released last Wednesday? I think all the reviews. Or Tuesday, yeah. I just, yeah. Anyways, it was released, after it was released, YouTuber Dave Lee, he sort of started this avalanche for Apple, showing that the Core i9 model that he had uh, throttled its performance under heavy load. And with his testing, he even found that the new MacBook Pro underperformed. It was slower than last year's model. Right. So this, it kind of started this perfect storm for Apple. Right. And for people who don't follow it that closely, the new model has two more cores. Right. Higher clock speeds, all kinds of good magic Intel stuff. It's supposed to be faster, not slower. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people started to do their own testing and kind of found similar things. Uh, we took a deeper dive than my initial review of the MacBook Pro. And we, while I couldn't replicate what Dave Lee found... We did experience the severe throttling that he showed uh, and the Adobe Premiere gains that I saw was like 5%. Right. For pretty marginal so, considering you're throwing two more cores at it. Yeah. So it was faster, but yeah. in a lot of people's eyes, it wasn't worth the money. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course, I think the perfect storm of just like bad PR was like $7,000. Right. right. Like, this is a $7,000 laptop. So there's like a full freak out. But, you know, you got to realize that's with a four terabyte 
SSD. Right. And a, a fairly yeah. fast one, too. So this is not the cheap, you know, cheap old SSDs you can get super cheap now because those things are really almost as slow yeah. as a hard drive in some cases. This is a high-speed drive, four terabytes. But seven grand, slower than last year's model. It, right. it just it was like, that's just like yeah. PR-like explosion. So this is, right here is the the uh, MacBook Pro that I tested. This is the Core i9 MacBook Pro. The model that we tested, uh, I think it prices out to $4,700. So okay. it has a two terabyte SSD, not the four terabyte. 32 gigs of RAM or? Yeah, 32 yeah. gigabytes of RAM. It has the Core i9. Wow. Uh, so for people, people who, if you haven't shopped on Apple's website, you have two standard configurations to choose from, and they're actually with a Core i7. To get the Core i9, you have to do a customized order. Okay. So and, and if you just do the processor, I believe it's a $300 jump in price. Right. So it goes from, I want to say, twenty. is it $2399 is the base? With i7 or with the i9? Uh, the top end... With the, with the i seven oh okay yeah I that, think that, that sounds about right I yeah. think it's like three with the i nine or maybe it's twenty seven ninety nine yeah anyways uh, it's a, an extra three hundred dollars not cheap by any stretch of the imagination right so so that's that's the one I tested uh, so in the meantime the internet kind of blew up with coverage of this you know other YouTubers saw full freak out yeah. Uh, saw the same thing. There were lots of Reddit postings about it. Some people in denial. Yes. Let's be honest. There were people that were full on in denial. Well, this is impossible that two right. plus two is is mm-hmm. four. Four. Who do you think those people are? I think people that just want to jump to a. Def- they have like a reflexive defense mechanism. Yeah. And it's not. You know, people really should sit back, look at the the numbers. You know, before they they do the both freak out and the full. Oh, you're wrong because you know one of the things we heard was, well, you shouldn't be using Premiere, right? That right, was one of the right. common defenses. Yeah. Like, if there's a problem with Premiere, you should be using Final Cut. But you know, right, that- and in a more general sense, one of the, the excuse that was given is, well, the software isn't optimized yet. Yeah. So that's you know, and that's kind of yeah, and that's a, that's an excuse too because right. in this world, <laughs> it may never get optimized. You think yeah, they're going to come and, back and fix and it? It's a you know, if you're a professional. These, this is the software that your company uses, your production company, yeah. whatever it is. You're not going to switch everybody on your production company to this one thing <laughs> just because this has a problem. Yeah. This one piece of hardware, it should work. It should work with Premiere. Right. This is, it this be is slower who, than the previous right. model. For. Right. It, you yeah, know, is this for whom this product is made? Are the kind exactly the kind of people who use this? And there were, I saw a couple of postings where people were like, well, yeah, Premiere sucks, but on Final Cut Pro, it's really great. And then it's like, well, that's what? The solution is to move your whole shop over to Final Cut Pro? That's, right. that's not a solution. And I, so. wasn't it wasn't it 9to5 Mac that they did a Final Cut render, and it was slower, I thought, too. They were actually really oh, able to replicate. That, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And there was another uh, prominent YouTuber. It's a, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't remember his name. Um, and he ended up showing that uh, on, I think his, he, his findings were similar to yours, where it was also faster, too, slightly faster. Was that Jonathan Morrison? Jonathan, Jonathan Morrison? Jonathan Morrison, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he, he didn't have the same results that uh, Dave Lee did. Right, right. And, of course, people then wanted to blame Dave Lee for all this, but, you know, yeah. uh, again, this he right. is just not some dude. He's been doing this a long time. He knows right. what he's doing. So everybody was wondering what's wrong with them and whether Apple could fix it, and then, lo and behold... They, they pushed out a fix. Yeah. So <laughs> what happened, so just more of behind the scenes. So, you know, we were doing benchmarks. I spent the weekend benchmarking this machine with Premiere and a bunch of, you know, 3D rendering apps and things like that and doing different settings, doing different things. Like uh, one Redditor uh, said that they got better results using Volta. And Volta is this app that allows you to kind of adjust the voltage that your processor is using and, you know, if you set a limit. So, and that actually did help a little bit. So we was doing all this stuff and then Tuesday comes around and Apple, uh, as Jason says, puts out an update to Mac OS 10.13.6. It's officially called the Mac, it's officially called the Mac OS 10.13.6 supplemental update. So, and this update it specifically addresses that particular problem, and they Apple admitted that there was a bug in their firmware. So, 
Yeah, the the exact quote, I won't read the whole thing because it's long, but they say, following extensive performance testing (laughs) under numerous workloads, we've identified that there is a missing digital key in the firmware that impacts the thermal management system and can drive clock speeds down under heavy thermal loads on the new MacBook Pro. And then there's, you know, we've issued a a fix and there's some marketing about how much faster it is. So Gordon and I found that interesting. We had some theories about they specifically bring up a missing digital key. Right. And we think this may have to do with the way that the now the T2 processor uh, locks down all the SIP, it locks down the, the firmware. Um, if you have to change a value, you need the key. The, yeah, you need a cryptographic key for the T2 to do this thing, or you need to unlock it and stuff. It could be that because their process for updating firmware on the Macs is different than it was, say, for last year's where they had the T1 and that didn't encrypt and control all this stuff. Um, they may have tried to push out an update on these things in production that didn't have the key included. So it was yeah. rejected and left right. them with a bunch of PL states, a bunch of power states that were defaults, essentially. Yeah. Right. And that's one thing, one of the, the most plausible explanations uh, there were many. I had a few. They turned out not to be entirely correct. Um, the the one that made the most sense was there. There's one uh, poster on Reddit who said uh, the PL states for the MacBook Pro are just they're just off the chart. They're basically, I, I think they basically set it for 125 watts. So there's basically a, a limit that you put on the CPU for where you should stop before you start to overheat everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say on so I've seen on eighth uh, gen. Uh, Intel chips, I've seen everywhere from 45 watts, which is what you'd expect, up to 70. Mm-hmm. And apparently, according to the one Reddit post, it was 125, right? So the chip would overheat. Yeah. It would it would overload the, the voltage regulator module, and then it would crash. So the, you, that's why we sort of saw that seesaw of clock speeds. And he was able to set the correct PL states, PL1, PL2, and then... He got way more the performance you would expect to see, and that made everybody sort of said, this must be the problem. But I will say, right, Apple told us, and yeah. uh, Dave Lee apparently too, he says, look, Apple says it is not overheating VRMs. But, you know, that could be yeah. sort of some language because the VRMs are not overheating. They're just being used incorrectly if that PL state isn't set yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, it's we, we're. I don't know that we're ever going to get like a fully transparent, here's exactly what happened. <laughs> explanation out of it but the the point is that one, one way or another um and it and it has something to do with the digital key um they had a setting wrong and were able yeah. to fix it the question is uh how did they not catch this like yeah. it's the the, yeah. the fix is a little boneheaded it's not that big a deal but it's the kind of thing like that root bug that they had last year or something where it's like really quality control should have caught this before it got out and production on the line, yeah. it should have. They should have. You would expect there to be some kind of, you know, inspections to make sure that these things are mm-hmm. working as pro- as proper when they come off the line. But I, you know, and actually, I actually think it's the the answer. Uh, if this is true, we'll never know. Jason and I, that theory that they just had pushed out. You know, so typically most PC vendors, they will have a lab. They will they will figure out how hard you can push a laptop that they safely want to push. All the engineers figure this out and. So that maybe they like, hey, here's the final profile, pushes out the in- whatever production, production pushes it out to be pushed onto the production machines. Yeah. And it doesn't take because the wrong key, cryptographic key is used because there's a change from the T1 to the T2. Makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to say, I know that that still bothers people, but the alternative was because everybody was like, oh, my God, didn't you bother to even test this? Didn't you even bother to tune it at all? Which was sort of like... And I, I think, honestly, that just, it's hard to believe. I just don't believe. You the know, alternative whatever. is they knew that this was happening and kind of said it'll be okay. Right. Or they never yeah. looked. Or they, I mean, because really everybody in the internet was like, holy smokes, this is like criminal. Yeah. You should have at least done this basic homework. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, yeah. you didn't yeah. even do this homework, but. They either I, knew, which is bad, or they just didn't know. They said, oh, well, Intel says it's a 45-watt chip and just dropped it right, in. Said, oh, we're good to go. Who's, who's buying the right. first round, right? But, I yeah. mean, that's what everybody assumed because everybody's yeah. angry. But I think it makes a lot more sense that, yeah, we had the profile. 
somewhere along the line, it didn't get inserted into the, the computers because of the security issue, which is like and way more plausible. I mean, honestly, it is just way more plausible. So we've, we updated and tested. And what did yeah. you find, Roman? So or our testing. Yeah, so we did some testing, uh, and some of our preliminary results, we're still kind of finalizing our numbers and stuff, mm-hmm. making sure they're, they're okay. Because apparently, for me, math is very hard, as we found out. Gordon and Dan found out last night, and math for me is very hard. If we knew math, we would have real jobs. That's what so, I usually sort of think. So uh, what I found is that the unupdated, I'm calling it the original, the original 2018 Core i9 MacBook Pro in our premier test had an 11% increase. Okay, that's nice. But then over over last year's over yeah okay so yeah I should I should let me quantif qualify these this the percentage increases that I'm stating will be against last year's uh, 2.9 gigahertz MacBook Pro so the 2017 model so uh, the original 2018 in our premier test had an 11 percent increase after. The updated 2018 had a 22% increase in, in Premier. So that, you know, it doubled its performance. Well, is that right to say double its performance? No, it's not right. So it's see, see, math is hard. Its performance, like, benefit. Or yes, something. right. Yeah. Double the benefit of previous. Yeah. So. And then in our Cinebench, in the Cinebench R15 CPU test, the original was a 17% increase. And the updated version was a 22% increase. So it went up 5%. Um, and the Blender BMW CPU benchmark, uh, the original went up 12%. And then the updated went up 19%. So this is a 3D test. And then, oops, I cut out that last number, of course. We did a V-Ray test. Uh, let me see if I can call it up real quick. So real quick, uh, Gordon, uh, Sam has a question. Do you think that there's going to be a difference between the 2.9 gigahertz and the 2.6 gigahertz i7 models? Um, yeah. So, you know, these new CPUs, I was trying to pull up a chart that I had for this too, but the, the i9 is a CPU that is very much intended. Here's our example. Here we're going to break in a prop here. So this is a typical um, gaming laptop. Uh, Acer Predator Helios 500 inside same Core i9 CPU that's in this MacBook here plus but great big great big you can see the size differences right let's just stack them up here this is the same CPU in both of these of course the Predator has great big GTX 1080 in it so it's it's it is a gaming laptop bigger screen all that but this platform with these really large fans the fans are probably thicker on the Acer than the actual MacBook uh, body, you know, the main body itself. It's just made to move a lot more air. These things are really made to push high performance. Um, it's really about all those higher clocks that you can only get if you properly cool it and you can properly supply enough power. The reality is, no, you're not going to get that in a thin profile laptop like this. Um, and that's probably across the board. You're just not going to see that. So the question is do you want to buy the mid range i7 or the top end Core i9? I think for most people, uh, the, the mid-range Core i7 or even the bottom end one is going to make a difference because you're mostly buying this for the extra two cores. You're not really that interested in the clock speed. Yeah. But the but I don't want people to think like, oh, well, R9 is a total ripoff. You know, like I'm getting nothing. We're yeah. just getting ripped off here because you don't get that 4.9 gigahertz all the time. You got to realize uh, the i9 does get to 4.6 gigahertz sometimes. I We were looking at, I was watching Roman tests, and on single-threaded loads, it would get up to 4.6. Probably sometimes mm-hmm. if you were in Alaska during the winter, you might get 4.8. <laughs> but you are still getting 4.6 out of here, whereas, say, if you bought the cheap one, you know, you're not going to, it'll top out at 4 gigahertz. Right. The question is, for most people, can you really feel the difference between 4.6 gigahertz and 4 gigahertz? Yeah. No, I think it really depends on your on the load. Right. Like what you're going to see is in really long sustained loads, they're both going to be so thermally constrained that the that mid range i7 and the i9 are going to be running at about the same speed. You know, especially if you're also hitting the GPU. So these long premiere tests and long final cut renders and stuff like that, there's not going to be a huge difference at all. Right. If you have really short bursty 
uh, workloads, that turbo is going to crank up on the i9. It's going to go really fast for a short amount of time. If that's the kind of work you do, that that that's what it does. It hits the CPU for you know the 20 seconds and stops. It's you're going to see that benefit. Um, I'll say that there's other reasons beyond just this CPU issue we're talking about here why you yeah. might want the new um, MacBook Pros, such as they're not limited to 16 gigs of RAM anymore. If you have a RAM-hungry things, that's good. Uh, the SSDs, which have been fast yeah. in Apple's computers for a long time, are wicked fast in the new model. I mean, people are getting three gigabytes a second, yeah. like crazy speeds. So, you know, if your store, storage throughput limited, that's that's going to be a benefit. So there's there's benefits to the new models, but to get that i9 benefit, you need short bursty workloads. Right. Yeah. So it's not like it's it you're it's not like you're getting ripped off, but mm-hmm. for but I do agree for three hundred dollars for most people, it's not really worth it. And honestly, this is the 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 normal conversation you also have Core i five versus Core i seven, but it's different in this class of laptop. But like in a smaller, thinner like this um, HP laptop i five, most people you do a Core i five, and this is a MacBook Pro thirteen conversation. The Core i5 KB Lake R, which is a quad core, versus the Core i7, um, most people are not going to feel a difference in the workloads that they're doing yeah. because yeah. you're you don't get those those really short burst loads as we were talking about. But you know what? It's not like it's slow in the in the i5. Yeah. So for most people, it is not worth it. But a lot of people do like oh, i want i7. And, uh, and we haven't we haven't we've been talking about the Core i9 a lot because that's what we're testing and that's the worst offender. But we should mention that this firmware issue happened on all the 2018 MacBook Pros, including the 13 inch, which goes yeah. from two cores to four on all their models. So you could potentially see really good benefits with that with these heavy workloads. Right. Um, but the i7s and everything too, they're not they're not getting hit as bad as the i9 because they're base speeds and turbo speeds aren't so high. So they're not falling as far, but they were really jumpy and spiky and all messed up before. And this new firmware smooths them all out. Right. And I've got a chart. I don't know if we can show that. I don't know if we can even get it. Does it even show up, Dan, if I show this chart? I'll put it in front of you. I'll put it in front of me. Okay, we're going to do this. This is a cool feature, right? Cool. So we're going to do this. So not to the side because you're. that's where the Jason corner. is. Can yeah. you see it? Yeah, yeah. But so what I want to point out is, so this is a chart where uh, uh, Roman had done tests in Cinebench, and you can basically change Cinebench to reuse one thread, two threads, up to twelve. And he basically did testing of the MacBook Pro updated with the updated firmware. And I took data from a review of an MSI gaming laptop, four pound, pretty amazing GS sixty five. And I just want to see well. It it was a little weird because you're going from you know Windows versus OS 10 or Mac OS these days, but I just wanted to see what you're getting and you can see and obviously the 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 MSI is faster when you're pushing all the cores because it is a gaming laptop. It's just got a beefier cooling system overall. Um, but down here, uh, the MSI is actually slower by about four or five percent, and that is because it has the uh, uh, the bottom end, the 2.2 gigahertz, as they call it, the uh, 8750. That's in oh. the, the cheapest. So you definitely, you know, you're giving 4%, and you can see it It sort of, it. and the way I've been sort of telling everybody uh, uh, to select the processor on the, on the, on the Windows side is, like, if you sort of work up here, you, you, you really, if you, a lot of your threads are rendering, uh, video encoding, you want more cores. But if a lot of your work is really, like, single-threaded and stuff, and you're just doing, you know, Word, Office, a lot of... Um, Software developers don't really need multi-core. Yeah. They're not. I mean, they're probably not doing the full compiles in their laptop, right? So you don't really need that. You could just sort of exist over here, and and it might be worth it to have that i nine or an i seven over an i five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a point of clarification: the two MacBook Pros without Touch Bar are essentially the same models as last year, so they weren't af- weren't affected yeah. by this. Oh, so. oh, right. Yeah, still KB Link yeah. and still. Isn't there? A, yeah. I, but I thought there was a. a isn't there a two two version though? Core i seven eighty seven fifty H. Yes, there a, yeah. there's there's a two two and then a two six or right. whatever. Um, those are the yeah. Touch Bar models. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so they're Touch yeah. Bar. Got it. It's yes. a weird kind of 
break in their lineup. So oh, so the non-touch bars don't even get the CPU upgrades at all. They're still rolling right, through right. the lakes. Yeah. Okay. So cost, they don't get that. Issue. They don't. They didn't get the new display with the um, the the, uh, the true tone, true tone, right? And the they D. don't have full th- like the the new the new MacBooks. All those, all four of those um, USB. C ports, those are all Thunderbolt 3. Yeah. It's the new Thunderbolt controller. Like, that's, you don't have that on all ports on the. It's all full speed, right? On, on the on that 13? I know on the 15. Uh, you 15, have one Thunderbolt, like, I think you have one Thunderbolt 3 or two Thunderbolt 3s, and then the other two are, are not Thunderbolt 3 ports. They're just USB C okay. ports or something. So, so they, but now they're, they're all Thunderbolt 3 ports. Yeah. So they basically yeah. didn't update the non touch laptop. Exactly. So right. The exact right. Same right. So, yeah. Okay. And there's some conjecture about what that means for the lineup. So actually, Jason Snell posted in his more column, more color column today, what he mm-hmm. thinks is going on with the with that MacBook Pro line. It's a whole different subject, hmm. but it's, it's it's on our website if you're interested in that kind of. Well, I think people do kind of you know like are asking, um, you know, what does this mean for the other laptops? You know, I can't remember. I'm sorry, who asked yeah. about the MacBook Air? Um, and I guess also. How does this speed compare to an iMac, for example? Previous previous generation iMac? Yeah. Right. Right. There is no Coffee Lake iMac yet. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, believe it or not, there are there will be certain workloads where uh, this laptop probably is going to it'll it'll easily beat even a desktop um iMac, I think. I are they using mobile parts or are they using desktop parts in this? Because it's sometimes they use desktop parts in iMacs. Yeah, so it's really this. It's the old battle between a number of cores and frequency. The older the desktop iMac is going to have always going to have a clock speed advantage because it's it's got never ending power because it's AC. Right. It's got more room for power delivery and fans, so it's always going to be running at a higher clock speed. For the most part, everybody who uses an iMac for, you know, honestly, Photoshop, uh, Office, browsing, that's the what you want is high clock speeds. Yeah. If you're going to be doing, you know, V-Ray, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, if you're doing a full render that is a 3D render, it, this will probably smoke that iMac, even though at 1 gigahertz in clock speed does not always beat, it does not get you what you would expect versus two more cores yeah. and four threads because of hyperthreading. So, the uh, iMac would have faster GPU. So if something's yes, really yeah. well GPU accelerated, it's going to win there. Um, and the new MacBook Pros have faster SSDs. Yeah. Yes. So, And if you have not the non-SSD, if you have that hybrid drive stuff they, they do, then even faster still. Right. But you have to assume, I mean, I guess you don't have to, but I would at least assume the next-gen iMac is going to have at least six cores, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I would yeah. assume that. That's, yeah, uh, we. Yeah. I mean, if they do an update this year, which we haven't heard about, it would be to Coffee Lake, and I mean, it would be a similar jump as this. I would. That's the other thing about the iMac. It's been over. Is it? Has it been over a year since it's been updated now? Yeah, except for the iMac Pro, right? It hasn't. It hasn't gotten an update since around the same time. Yeah, when they did these KB Lake updates, so it's it's time. Do you, here, here's my question though. Do you, because I, like honestly, the fact that they, Apple actually moved and put the latest generation Intel processor in this laptop feels like within about three months after it launched. To me, that's yep. like breakneck speed over what I'm, have gotten used to with Apple and up, updates to Intel parts. Because usually what happens is Intel announces new CPU and you basically have 25 new Windows laptops that are based on that. <laughs> And then a year later, a year and a half later, Apple may or may not do that. And for um, them to if, do this in three months is like I it kind of feels wonder- like that, but it's that's not really it's not really that that delayed. Like last year, KB Lake KB Lake came out a little earlier than Coffee Lake last year. But typically, WWDC they announce new Macs. They're ready about a month later. This year, they didn't announce them at WWDC, but they were still ready a month later. Yeah. Um, so I, I think mean, the time was the... compressed a little just because Coffee Lake came out in what like April instead of February or something. Right. But right. it's it's still pretty much the same time of the year for for Apple. 
and it's not that big a delay. It's it's almost never like a year behind or, or anything that well, feels that way though. It feels well. Would you say six months? Because I mean, I don't know. Then why six months at the mo- six months at the most for the first models? But like we said, the iMac still hasn't been updated. So where's those? Yeah, it's been and that, that months. could be a long time. Well, I, what I'm wondering is if, well, I guess I'm being optimistic, but this is an indication that Apple is going to get more along the lines of Intel cadence, despite all the ARM rumors, whatever. But, the, the, like, their Apple's going to go, yeah, this is, we're going to be closer. We're not going to be like PC OEMs and, you know, snap that out the next day, but we'll be more in tune with their roadmap. No? You don't think? You guys are I don't think doubtful? so. This is the yeah. same time of year they would normally release these things. So I just think right. that... So coffee we're just late. listening to it wrong, is what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just saying coffee Using late came out a little. Wrong. Uh, coffee late came out a little later in the year than the normal Intel refresh, so it feels compressed. But we normally get new Macs yeah. in July-ish. So I have a couple more questions. Sure. Updates. Uh, Blue Gray on Twitter is asking if the memory controllers are the same as the iMac Pro. And then oh, um, the other question is uh, from Tom on Twitter or YouTube is asking if the MacBook Pro, how does it compare to the XPS 15 um, and also specifically with Adobe? Uh, well, what, who is who is go first? Can, you go first, Well, Gordon. the memory controller, I, I, we, I don't think we know that information. Yeah, yeah I, I think the IMC, what the heck is in the current MacBook Pro? Or what's so the, in the current the, Mac Pro? It's the, the iMac Pro's memory it's controller. Like it's, they're, they're using Xeons and they're using ECC memory. Yeah, yeah, but so I mean, the IMC is probably the same. So, but yeah, I don't think you're going to see kind of a performance difference. Yeah, so this not. is this is DDR4 2400. I think yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't tell you, but they don't I think so. Say, yeah, but, so yeah. remember the the memory controller is not on the motherboard like it was, you know, ten or fifteen years ago. It's actually inside the CPU now, so right. it is what what it is. And I, I would say the memory controller is very similar to if I don't know what's in the current. Mac Pro, but you know, Skylake X, kind of like that. That kind of um, uh, the the current iMac Pro is the latest Xeon. Yeah, the eighteen core up to eighteen core Xeon. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's going to be a similar memory controller. ECC shaves off a tiny bit yeah. of performance, but not uh, yeah, not a ton. It shaves out a lot of your money too. Yeah, uh, it does. And, and as far as MacBook. <laughs> Uh, Pro 2018 versus XPS 13 or 15. I got to say, I I have not seen the Core i9 XPS 15 yet. I I'm expecting it soon. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. Again, I think it faces the same limitations, and I've seen some people that have seen it, and they said it faces the same limitations. It does also not reach the full potential of a Core i9. No kidding. Not a big fat laptop like this. But uh, I will say for your question to Premier, uh, it does use a GeForce card. I think the Current one, the new one's going to be a 1050 Ti Max Q card. Uh, Adobe started GPU uh, encoding uh, with NVIDIA, with CUDA, back in the CUDA days. It was all, in fact, it would only work before then there was OpenCL, before AMD ATI got in the game. So it generally, and you, you can look at the test, it, it, it's really fast on GeForce, on Windows, in CUDA. So versus this Radeon in here, most because most of you most of you are going to be doing GPU encoding, I'd mm-hmm. say it's it's probably going to whip this thing silly because of that GeForce card mostly, not necessarily because it's yeah, CPU. Yeah, that'll help a lot. I mean, there's a lot of CPU. Right, they, it hits the CPU and the GPU really hard. But right. I think that system might have better cooling, maybe. Yeah, it's slightly but bigger. It's definitely going to have a faster GPU. Right, and that could be. Yeah, this is a Radeon 555X or something. But you 560. 560. 560X. 560X. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of that's an OpenCL and Metal's not quite there, it looks like, with Premiere. And, you know, again. I think they use Metal with Premiere now. Yeah, they use yeah. it. It's an option, but it it's probably not as well developed. you got to remember, I mean, again. I people, think it's the default since since last year or something, since an update last year. Uh, yeah, I can see that. But I'm just yeah. saying the quality of. There's not of, an optimization. <laughs> of the optimization. Yeah. yeah. A lot of that. I don't know. It's. I. I'm just from right. If you go look at Dave Lee's results, yeah, the Arrow 15x it whipped this thing yes. silly. I mean, you're yeah. like, it was like 35 minutes. His project was like 35 minutes on both the Macs last year's, this year's, and then he did it on the Arrow 15x with a 1070 Max Q, which is a beefy gaming GPU, and it was like yeah. seven minutes. 
I was like, oh yeah. And yeah. I, I got to say, when I do CPU tests, I do uh, GPU encode and CPU encode. Same thing. You're looking at, I mean, it's huge. It's like CPU encode up here, GPU encode down here. It's just stupid different. But he's also using 5K raw footage, and that's probably a big part of that too. Yeah. Do you think yep. that this MacBook Pro is underpowered as far as the GPU goes? Um. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's all it all depends on how you define underpowered, right? <laughs> I, I, I mean, because I mean, you look, you're looking at this is a yeah. this is a laptop that is, you know, I'm a PC guy, but this thing is stupidly thin for a 15 inch laptop, right. right? This thing is just incredibly thin. The fact that they have a GPU in here and a high wattage processor is very impressive. Would it, it be better if it had a faster GPU? Sure. But you are not going to get a 1070 Max Q right. or 1060 Max Q into a body this thin. Yeah, it's not I'll, that the GPU I'll, is underpowered. It's the, I'll just say every Mac has, has an underpowered GPU. <laughs> like, there's not a single Mac in the lineup that I can point to and go like, why? Why don't they have a better GPU in there? I think yeah, they. Yeah. I think they're off balance and have been for years on the sure thing. But part of that is also their vendor of choice, right? They have been yeah, solidly. Right. Radeon, yeah, ever since Bumpgate, yeah. ever since Bumpgate, right? So for the ancient mm-hmm. history is, yeah. <laughs> there was a bad NVIDIA card that would, somebody didn't spot, I think it was some bad solder flow in, in production. Yeah. Millions of these things went out to laptops from all different vendors, including Apple. And then about a year and a half or two years after you would heat up and, de- you know, cool them off, it would just, that solder joint would go and bink, it would just turn off, right? Yeah. We see this in phones all the time. And ever since that, I've not seen a GeForce card in a in a in a in a, in a, in a Apple, an Apple product. product right? Yeah, and I don't know Apple if that's product. it, but yeah, it is to the detriment because honestly, uh, GeForce is just smoking. Right, they've got all the performance yeah. right now. They they hold all the performance marbles. I think in Apple's case, there were there were a little more politics involved. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, they hold so, a grudge. Yeah. Apple tends to hold a grudge. Yeah, I think you know more so than other people. Um, I would say overall what this update did for from where I'm looking at it is um, you're you're not going to get the full benefit of a Core i9 unless you have a somewhat thicker laptop with better cooling than this. But this update did bring the performance up to what I would expect out of, you know, a 15 inch aluminum, you know, the MacBook Pro's form factor. That's what I this is what I would expect the Core i9 perform like in yeah. that body where it wasn't before it was not even holding base clock speed now yeah. it's pretty much holding base clock speed even when you throw a whole lot at it yeah. mostly although i i gotta yeah. say we did close see a good, it's good not it wasn't close though, right? yeah. one heavy load we did see uh in a inst- couple instances in premiere with certain types of projects that were very that um were very high cpu utilization mm-hmm. so we did see it throttle but again, you know that that's like it's a case by case basis. Right. You know, we also saw very you know basically a deadline, you know, a, a deadline or what's it called, flatline of uh, flatline of uh, CPU performance at three at three gigahertz essentially. Right. So we saw we saw both instances. So yeah, you know what I also want to bring up too that I think it's worth pointing out because people see uh, Roman's results with multiple Premiere renders. And then they look at, you know, Dave Lee's and they look at um, who else uses Premiere? Uh, Marquis Brownlee. He right, also he did, Brownlee, yeah. he did it. He did a test and his were actually faster. And then that other Morrison, Jonathan Morrison. So you have mm-hmm. basically four people. Some people say slower. Some people say faster. What the hell's going on? Right. You, as a, as a, right. as a consumer, you go like, I don't understand what's going on. And what is going on is everybody's project is different. You're not always going to yeah. get the same result. Yeah. We yep. use 4K Sony Alpha footage. Dave Lee used 5K Red. Marquez Brownlee used 8K. I don't know what Morrison used, but you've got so you've got different files, different codecs, and then what you're doing in Premiere, like you know, are you are you applying this effect? Are you applying that right. effect? How many layers do you have? Do you have right. titles? All this stuff adds and stacks up to make things better or worse, and that's why it's not like you push one number in and you get the same number on the other side, and you know. Premiere is basically cobbled together with many, many different codecs, a lot of them from main concept from the old days. You push it in there and it does a certain thing, it comes out a different place. It's just, 
you know? So yeah. that's yeah. why the results don't all match up. And it is very hard. In general, though, I got to say it's faster. If, if anything, that's why. all of this has driven home just how slow Premiere is compared to other video editing suites. Right. Because <laughs> everybody's running the same footage into like a that and Final Cut and Resolve yeah. and all these other things with, you know, you can't just like load up your project, but with like the same doing the same things, the same effects, creating the same files, the same right. output. And it's, it's, it's premiere is so slow. It's like more than twice as slow as some of these other things. And right. it's, well, it makes you go, God, Adobe, yeah. come on. You got to get on it with the premiere well, yeah, rendering the, output. The thing is, of course, people say, well, Final Cut is like, you want like a good example of like, you know, like some brand new feature that is implemented by somebody, either, you know, NVIDIA or Intel, like Cyberlink. Cyberlink and yeah. Power Power Director, which is like a, a consumer level, you know, $99, $99 NLE. Like if mm -hmm. it's like QuickSync, oh, we've had that for like, we had that in five years ago, right? Like, oh, everybody's yep. all excited about QuickSync now on, on Premiere and in, in Intel. It's like, it's like Cyberlink did that. Like we did that year, like they, every day, every time they just, they're right. just on it. But it's also because, you know what? Uh, it's just consumers. So who cares? I mean, they're really, I got to say, like, you would think, like, Adobe's got, you're, you're like, you're looking at tens of millions of dollars in development, but you also have a professional consumer base, or professional base, that they just can't, like, oh, we're going to change everything. Right. Right? You can't just, like, they're you can't invested. dig up the, all the streets of the city and say, we're going to fix it, because it's like, uh, what are we going to yeah. do for five months or something like right. that? I think it's it's a really difficult position yeah. for them. Uh, on, yeah. on YouTube, Swiss Data Hoarder says, uh, have you tried the MacBook Pro with like a line dock cooling uh, dock system? Is there a way that you could cool it from, you know? Yeah, I, I wasn't able to find like a walk-in freezer or something like that. <laughs> or, you know, just like those old-fashioned, you know, uh, laptop right, the coolers. That... You know, we, we, used, we used to have some of those things sitting around in the office, but... Yeah. You know, we cleared out. We cleared out a bunch of stuff. Nobody ever wants those things because they're ridiculous, yeah. right? So. I think the username was appropriate because they're a hoarder. <laughs> so you know, hoarders <laughs> would have some. You know, well, I, I wish I had one now because it's like it'd be good for some testing. I might have one at home that's collecting dust. So yeah. it'll definitely be something I'll take a look at. I, I'm curious. I mean, those things are basically just like fans you sit your laptop on. Yeah. I'm curious with a design like this where it's aluminum, the vents are just in the back. It's not really getting more air through over the heat sink or anything. It's just cooling the outside of the aluminum. Is that still going to provide much benefit? Because right. no. the aluminum is, is a big heat sink. It's a big heat spreader yeah. for the system. But you're the not. Aluminum body. It doesn't, you're not going to get that much heat buildup to make a huge difference. It might yeah, help I don't think so. 1%, yeah. which yeah. is the margin of error, but yeah. But, if but they're not like putting it in the freezer where, you know, the air that you're circulating is so much colder. Right. And but here's a fun test. Run this on a, on a flat surface, which is where you should test a laptop, and then put it on your blanket and then see what happens. Oh, yeah. That's always really fun. <laughs> do you think if they had something that could line up the vents and, like, force more air through, that would do anything? Yeah, I would help somewhat. I mean, it probably helped yeah. cool off those VRMs a little more, right? Yeah, so. anytime you can move more air through is good. You know, um, but these, it's like a, it's like what, like a, like a, a 72 uh, El Camino with the air <laughs> intakes in the front, you know, and I, I, of course I'm laughing, but, um, for people who don't know, there have been PC right. gaming PCs made like that. Asus particularly made a gaming laptop that was water cooled. So right. it was like this right. big and then it had this great big ass of a water cooler <laughs> right. and you would dock it to it and then it would like <laughs> liquid. You know, I know people get angry because there's a water. Okay, whatever. Yeah. It's liquid. And then you, you dock it to the radiators and everything and then and yeah. it, you had these self-sealing valves so it, it didn't leak. I, I right. took it off. It, you know, you maybe got a drop once in a while. But that's not really practical for most people. <laughs> you also yeah. brought up, we, when, in our conversations, you also brought up the thermal paste. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I don't know. Can you explain? But so you basically, and of course, if you're used to a lot, if you're used to a desktop, you have a CPU, and on top of that, they put a protective layer. It's called a heat spreader. Laptops, there's no heat spreader, which is a piece of copper. It's just simply the actual bare CPU die. And what they do is on laptops, they have a heat pipe that then clamps down onto that. But between that, to fill in the little nooks and crannies. Uh, just like an English muffin, they put a little bit of thermal compound. Um, and that thermal compound, if it's good or it's bad, really can make a difference in cooling. A lot of, you know, 
right. overclockers these days they swear by liquid metal. There's all kinds of really cool things you can so like people like if I desolder that or I remove the heat sink and then I put on thermal metal, will I see better performance? Yeah, you probably will actually. It'll be better because Apple is not going to go out and buy thirty five dollars worth of liquid metal, <laughs> right? For your right. laptop. At the same time, you will also have heavily voided your warranty. So, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, some guys have done this on previous MacBook Pros out of warranty, uh, I guess, and right? have seen it's really a, good, you know, ten or fifteen degrees C yeah. lower temperatures, right? Yeah. Uh, which in this case would let the the turbo boost up a lot more. But everybody's nervous to do it with their four thousand dollar plus right. Pro. <laughs> I would not advise against doing that unless you you're yeah. you can deal with this. You know, like hey, I killed it. There goes my yep. four thousand yeah. bucks. Right? They will not right. honor your warranty if you yeah. dug in. They in definitely will not. So don't try it at home unless you're out of warranty and you know <laughs> you want to try it. Some home. somebody out there will do it. We'll right. find some Reddit thread or something, and yeah. or somebody was crazy oh and you know there's risk there's really inherent risk it's liquid metal right mm-hmm. so it is mm-hmm. so a lot of sometimes they'll use compounds that are non-conductive because if the person building his laptop is a little lazy and you know gets a little bit on something it's fine but you if you have some flow from liquid metal down to something that is not good then yeah that's that uh, and laptops in particular get oriented every which way, thrown in your bag, all that stuff. So you just right. got to be real careful with how you apply these things. Yeah. And this is, again, this is not, people have done this to other laptops and GPUs and CPUs. So, yeah. yeah. Is it worth it to you? Up to you. So we took a poll on Twitter asking if the MacBook Pro throttling controversy makes you hesitant about buying a new Mac in general. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. And, um, the results to me are actually they're surprisingly close. So forty six percent of people who voted, it was about seven hundred and forty four votes. Forty six percent said yes. It does make them a little hesitant about buying a new Mac. Yeah, so, I can see that. But also, people in, were commenting that you know the, it, the prices are just too high for them right now. So yeah, yeah so. separate from this particular issue, there's other reasons I wouldn't buy one of these. <laughs> Yeah, it's they yeah, are very you know, pricey. Like I'm I was waiting saying, for them to to fix the keyboard. <laughs> right, there's the keyboard issues. They did fix it. It's got the. <laughs> I, I'm the not dust talking. About, I'm not talking about dust. I'm talking about its its feel, its function. Yeah, it's yeah. Still that little low, no throw, loud. Uh, right. They say it's quieter. It's really not much quieter though. It's still pretty loud. You know, it's still I, got the throw. It has a distinct. I I had sound. an epiphany because I sort of assumed that. A hundred percent of people really did not like these lap these keyboards because I absolutely loathe these the butterfly keyboard design because it's just like it hurts my hand. It sounds like everything's angry. It it does not work for me. I I hate the thing. I just absolutely hate it. And I was like, if you like it, you're lying. But like, so Leaf, who would normally be sitting in the seat, he He loves it. He really and I was like, it really is like my God. He's not lying to me. Like, no. he really does like no Wait, travel. So he does not touch type either. Yeah, he, he doesn't touch type. And also, he does a lot of writing on the iPad. So he either uses the on, on-screen keyboard mm. or he uses an external keyboard, which is, you know, iPad keyboards. They're not, you know, right. they're also kind of a little hard. So he's he's somewhat acclimated to that kind of keyboard. Not that, the uh, you know, there are external butterfly keyboards, but... I guess the feel is somewhat similar. But I, I just like it. Re- there are legitimately. I know it's really hard because it feels like ninety nine point nine percent of people hate the keyboards. Yeah. It, it makes me think. Okay, maybe some people it does work for them. Well, it makes me you feel know? like the fact that Leif likes it and his work patterns is what Apple is targeting. Right. You know, the people who are you know, there's this generation of people. Yeah. Who the iPad I, is their primary machine. I, yeah, but still, that's not. Yeah. A MacBook Pro, like you, <laughs> and then when you think, like when all the people out there buying these, yeah, no, I know what you're like, getting. Like at. you said, ninety nine percent of them goes like, even if they don't hate the keyboard, they're like, well, but the old one was better. Like you yeah, shouldn't yeah. be going backwards. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I, no, definitely... I'm curious to see what they'll do when they have an actual redesigned MacBook. Right. Like, well, and, and, they're going to and... have to make a different body and everything to make a different keyboard. And the iMac too, right? I mean, they're they're actually aren't they doing a new Mac Pro as well? So we'll have to see. Right, see, right? It, yeah, they're so, making a new Mac Pro. Right. Yeah. So the point was there are other things that are probably influencing this poll, like the fact that the iMac hasn't been updated in, in thirteen months. 
a new Mac Pro's coming probably next year. I don't even want to get into the Mac Mini. What? But what about like long term? Does it hurt the brand? Because I feel like one of the arguments for the Mac was it just works, right? Mm-hmm. And this is kind yeah. of a case where did it work? Well, Mike Simon, who is also a staff writer and frequently on this show, uh, he actually wrote an article this morning about that the real issue isn't the throttling issue. It's indicative of the bigger problem, and that's quality, uh, you know, quality control from Apple. Because we, mm-hmm. we've seen things where, like, you know, there's this laptop and with the keyboard. You know, we can go back. You know, we all know about the problems with this keyboard, but even things like the little rings that the HomePod leaves on on your counter. Yeah, you know, some things, yeah. little things like that. You know, and other. He brings up other instances as well. But yeah, there there seems to be, and we've had this kind of conversation in in house too. Have like. The quality, there's just these little quality, niggling quality things that you kind of go, what the, who did not see that kind of thing that Apple typically catches in the past? Well, yeah, so, I wonder, to me, like if you rewind the, the clock five years or eight years or something like that, I don't think those products were less buggy or less problematic. They're selling a lot more. They're selling more all the time. They're selling yeah. more MacBooks. They're selling more iPhones the same percentage of faulty things or the same issue impacting the same percent of people and stuff like that just represents a much bigger thing to people. So the difficult thing for Apple is that they need to be better than they ever were before. They can't just, as you grow and sell more things to more people and stuff, you just can't have the same failure rates, the same mistakes and things that you, you know, you need new processes to catch more things more little things more before they get out there because like you said the public perception starts to really run away with you yeah no that's a good point because i mean they just they're in a lot more consumers hands Mm -hmm. and you we know in reality you can't test for every single situation but there's some that you know they, they just if you step your game up you could catch it like you would think uh, somebody would have said this, whatever that base of the AirPod, whatever it was, was would interact HomePod. with certain wood. Yeah. HomePod would interact with with wood surfaces, or so. But yeah, yeah, I mean, they've had the same. I mean, that people. I I think you know, as coming from the Windows PC side, you know, we see a lot of things. I've seen a lot of problems over the years that people just simply ignore. They would like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, it's like you know, I remember those Macs where you got the weird white blotches on the screen and the the warp <laughs> the bodies that were literally warped from the heat. But people just, in the old days, they just overlook it. Today, yeah. they're just, even the, I would say the, the Mac audience is just less inclined to let them, and the Mac audience in particular is less inclined to say, we'll let it go. Because yeah. they really don't feel like they're being serviced. Yeah. And, you know? you know, it's also just part of, it's when you have a problem with one thing in a horde of products versus this is the one product. You know, if you buy an iPhone, they're selling, you know, a couple hundred million iPhones yeah. a year. It's the iPhone. There aren't easily as many problems with Android phones, but spread out among however many, right. like m- many, many, many phones. You, there's no way you're buying a Galaxy S9 and it's not having firmware updates to fix bugs that, sure. but, but you, it's, you know, they're selling 10 million of them or whatever the number is. It's not, it's not the Android phone. There's so many. So it doesn't get you know, the problems get spread among a lot of brands, along a lot of models, and that just doesn't happen with Apple. It's all concentrated into one brand. Yeah. And that I think that makes them seem uh, like they're happening more often. Mm. And Tom on uh, YouTube is saying that low travel keyboards are not backwards. That's your opinion, man. Uh, most, oh, people, yeah. most people like, <laughs> I like, the low, like low reference. Tra- uh, I added the man part. Um, <laughs> oh. Most people like low travel keyboards. Um, yeah. We should do a poll on that. I'd be curious to see. I, if I would like, like that to see. Well, I mean, I've only like I swear to God, Leif is the only person <laughs> like I've yeah. ever met that really like legitimately likes it. And I really feel like mm-hmm. yeah, there's really people who like them. And the, there's low travel, and there's low travel. Right. Like like your your wireless keyboards for iMacs and the old keyboards on MacBook Pros. Those were low travel compared to like a normal desktop keyboard, but they were pretty good. Right. You know, I like them a lot. Um, 
it's, that's nothing like the mechanical keyboards and stuff that you see out there on in the PC world with yeah you know they and then there's too. the butterfly which is really low travel right yeah i mean i'm using a 2014 right. macbook pro and one of the main reasons why is because i haven't asked it here to upgrade me but the other <laughs> reason is that and the other reason is i'm not running premiere or anything like that but you one like of the, the main keyboard. reasons why i don't want to go to this is because of the keyboard it's just that th- this keyboard just feels really nice and i've yeah I, I go I use this as much as possible, but yeah I get sore fingers. Maybe I need to be not as heavy handed, but I get sore fingers. And even like the key spacing feels a little odd to me. I seem to do mm-hmm. produce more typos on this keyboard than on this and then on the old keyboard. So yeah. yeah, it's just a but you know I'm sure if I used it straight for like a month or even two weeks, I don't know I would get used to it. But you're right. It's weird when I go to, the, to these press events and people are taking notes and you know who has an Apple MacBook <laughs> without looking because you that sound is just so distinct. Yeah. It's, and you yeah. always it you, bellows. It's just kind of And you always go like, Oh man, that must be a <laughs> that's a harsh email he's hammering out or she is like must right. be like a breakup email or something like that. <laughs> dear, dear and all it is is like, oh, remember, go to the store and pick up some milk, right? But it's always like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like popcorn going off. It's insane. So. Well, anyways, that's the saga of the MacBook Pro. Yeah. Any last takeaways? Uh, yeah. Actually, I do want to point out one thing. And, and I, you know, and again, this is crazy because people say like, uh, I'm saying positive things here, but realistically, I will say what I'm seeing. I have only seen two Core i9 PC laptops so far, and the performance is a little puzzling too. So uh, I've mm-hmm. seen several Coffee Lake laptops. I've seen only two Core i9s, but my feeling on Core i9 is this is such a high performance part, so heavily based on tuning the hell out of it for power and for thermals. That they're, the OEMs have to step up and do more work. Like, uh, I will say what I'm seeing in an Alienware uh, 17 R5, that thing just hammers. That's just, it's just smoking fast. This Acer Predator, faster than the MacBook, but not exactly fast as I would have expected. And I think it's just really a lot of is, is the tuning the OEMs, all the you know PC, and including Apple, have to do. There's, I honestly got to yeah. say, I bet in six months they will have tuned the firmware a little bit more to get you some more performance. Yeah, I would not be surprised. It, the next time Apple does another OS update, we'll run these bench. I'll do a spot check of the benchmarks because we were saying it feels like they could even fine tune it more and get a little bit more performance <clears throat> out of this yeah. laptop. Yeah. So, so next time there's an OS update, we'll we'll take a look. Well, so. I, I guess I also have one last thought, and that is. Um, do you think this whole saga is going to affect whether, like, the urge to move to their own processors or not? I don't think so. Well, I don't think so. I think the the um, the the issues with doing that are so varied and broad and multi-dimensional that simply oh the. Core, we had a problem with the. I mean, they had a problem with all the Core i sevens. They just they wrote a long profile on all their twenty eighteen right. <laughs> MacBooks. It's, so it's not it's not like it's oh this is Intel's fault and we need to switch right. and you know the reasons for doing that would that would be such a monumental leap that that would be other reasons for doing it. I would yeah. think it, personally, my feeling is if I mean there's all these rumors you know that uh, Apple wants to move Mac to ARM. Frankly, it'd be a mistake. It, honestly, if my harsh assessment is it would be the end of the Mac moving to ARM. You think so? This is a platform <laughs> that they have picked up the stakes and moved the entire colony several times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just thinking Power PC. 60, 68K, PowerPC, x86. I don't know if you can drag it one more. And is it really worth what you get at the end? Are you really going to see your parts compete with AMD and Intel and Nvidia and there's just but but the counter of that is the the, the power PC to, to x86 transition went rel- went relatively smoothly and yeah but that's was by all means a success they saw they saw the, they saw the meteor coming to the planet is why right mm-hmm. there were different circumstances like, we're getting this special that, ship ready 
They had, they almost, they had to make that change because they hit the yeah. ceiling with that. There's power really PC. no way to know without seeing what what Apple's own processor would be like. Right. Um, I do say, I do think when I look at this and I, I, I scratch my and how well AMD's doing now, and I scratch my head and go, mm-hmm, maybe, maybe next year they should switch to AMD. That would be a much smoother transition. That's not switching. I mean, it's still x86. Right. It's sure. still a lot of the ex- that same extensions work. It's you don't have to recompile everything. All your software still yeah. right. But I don't think so I. I just think moving the entire architecture away. That's why. Again, I'm not saying Intel like they got to do yeah. Intel. It just yeah, dumping x86 for their own processors. We'd have to see what their own processors yeah, just, are. They'd have to be pretty spectacular. Yeah. All I gotta say is like that. It's gonna be like all right, everybody pull the stakes up, and it's gonna be about a 400 mile slog through the snow with our wagons. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna be going over this pass. Let's hope we have enough provisions to make it there. And I don't know what's gonna make in the other end because yeah. uh, it's just not. And and again, why? You already have your own sealed world. I can't run OS 10 or Mac OS on a PC. So, and then I, I, to me, it makes no sense. I don't understand this fantasy of why people want this to even happen because it would, frankly, in my dis- opinion, be a disaster. So, I'm not sure if it's that what consumers want. I think pe- consumers are like, or people, analysts look at the Apple's patterns. They mm-hmm. like to own processes, they, you know, they don't like to go. You know, if they can eliminate certain partnerships, they will. And so, and so, it it seems like a natural course that they would make this huge kind of investment, uh, in this huge change. But you're, yeah, it's it's not as I don't want to say trivial, but it's not as easy as I think some people think it would be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Like, I mean, all the complaining about Premiere <laughs> right. on this. You think that's going to get tuned up to optimal performance on ARM in a in a, in a Thanos finger snap? It's a, no, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So, and then you've got thousands and thousands of developers and apps that will just be left behind. Yeah. Well, on that note, all right, we can look for a positive note. I'm so, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, we're going to do a little bit more uh, work on on this particular article. I'm going to probably sum up our findings in an in a follow-up article it's fixed though right it's fixed safe it, safe to go in the water the shark is gone yes so if you okay so the bottom line is if somebody's considering buying this laptop what would you what would your advice be the, your if your answer if the question is what is the best performing macintosh i can buy buy this laptop if you yeah. use multi-threaded tests you do encoding rendering any of the real heavy-duty production kind of stuff, yeah, right. it's going to give you better boost at the low end. It's going to give you more cores. This is this is a win-win for everybody on the right. Mac platform. And it's sad that the launch is kind of marred by this all this hand-wringing over it. But it is a it is a cost aside. It is a fantastic upgrade over what you have had before. And on the PC side, I've argued that this processor, in fact, is the biggest upgrade we've gotten in a long time because. Fifth gen, the sixth gen, the seventh gen, it's just been like yawn after yawn, you know, maybe 5%, mm. 6%, yeah. 10% best case. And you are getting 50% more, you know, I guess Apple's claiming 70% something. This is a huge increase in CPU performance in these laptops that you're yeah. getting. So, hey, we're ending on a good note. See? Yeah. Well, if you have last year's laptop, you know, maybe you maybe you skip this year. I mean, maybe 20% isn't enough for you to, to make an investment. Although, if... You know, you're spending all your time rendering and stuff. That's money well spent for you. Right. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. we saw that so. in a couple of uh, pure 3D rendering benchmarks where right. it was a huge increase. Yeah. 50%, 45%. That's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Although I got to say, if you get paid by the hour, don't upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Right. Still rendering Downgrade. out. Yeah. Keep that meter going on the clock. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll... we'll Look for another article or probably like, I don't want to say the final word, but, you know, we'll finalize our results. I'll post those uh, later this week. And I'm so. curious, are you going to update the official review? I will does be. Does it get a different score? Now that it's fixed, does it get the same score? Like, I'm curious how it's going to so our policy, the official review. Yeah. So as for the review, our policy, as I've lear- come to learn, is that we don't change our initial verdict and score. But we do. We can't update, you know, our results. I actually need to, you know, also run the previous benchmarks we did. I did uh, uh, Geekbench on this, so oh. I need to 
I've been busy focusing on the more harder uh, benchmarks, but I need to run the synthetic benchmarks to see what if those scores change. So I will be updating the review. Uh, yeah, it has to be in there. Results. I can't see this yeah. overall changing the overall judgment of the of the, yeah. the platform itself. I, again, this is a big imp- improvement. It is right yeah. over what so. you got. I, hey, you know what? You want more performance? Get a big gaming Windows laptop. But that's not that's not the answer for people who want the best Mac, right? So. Right. Right. Yeah. So, plus True Tone, more RAM. True Tone, yeah. more you know, RAM. S, uh, faster SSD. Quieter keyboard. Bigger SSDs. <laughs> so yeah, quieter so, yeah. and dust resistant yeah. keyboard. That's a big so. plus too. That is a that's an improvement. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'd like to thank Jason. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. Very. Thank you for all the information. Yeah, yeah, Very it's enlightening. Fun. It's fun. So. thanks to Dan, our producer. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Macro team, so. Gordon. <laughs> he's drank the kool-aid now yeah so i was nice <laughs> and i'd like to thank you the viewer thank you for tuning in join us next week for the next episode of the Macworld podcast this was episode 614 so next week we'll talk about more apple news and rumors and reviews and such so join us next week thank you very much 